Arrest this man, he talks in mass He buzzes like a fridge, he's like a detuned radio Karma police Arrest this girl Her Hitler hairdo Is making me feel ill And we have crashed her party This is what you get this is what you get when you mess with us. I didn't really do that song justice, but I thought I would do it a la karaoke style. And as always, my singing goes on a bit and it might not sound too great, but hey, it's fun. I'm, <laughs> I enjoyed giving it a go. I actually love that song so much. It's off the... Radio hit OK Computer album and the song that follows it, it's not really a song, fitter, happier one. Have a listen to this. Happier, more, more productive, productive, comfortable, not drinking too much, regular exercise at the gym, three days a week, getting on better with your associate employee contemporaries, at ease, eating well, no more microwave dinners and saturated fats. A patient better driver, a safer car, baby's smiling in backseat. And it goes on and then the song kicks in. But this album reminds me of an airport, especially the cover. There's something about the colours, they're very light. It's mostly white and there's some blue streaks in and there looks like movement and motion. And I actually think there's the nose of an aircraft sticking out. But that album, the cover, as well as all the songs, reminds me of modern life. And I know the album was about anti-consumerism and how corporate or corporations have taken over. And this album was released in 1997, so it was a, a ripe old time for all of that discourse, anti-globalization, anti-capitalism and the album captured all of that really well and I find when I'm in an airport you see a lot of consumption especially in the duty-free parts and people are buying all these branded things Johnny Walker Black Label, Jack Daniels, Tanqueray Gin, Marlboro Cigarettes and then you look at your high-end luxury goods like Cartier and Gucci and all those stores are there. And the album just sums it up so beautifully, the whole nature of human consumption and the throwaway society and all of those ideas. And I remember in 1997, I was really keen on all that stuff well actually a little bit later on when I started studying geography at university I I was really into understanding global e e 
economics, economics, global economics, and how that interacted with space and place. And there was an anarchist society at university, which I was really keen on joining. I never became a member, but the ideas always rocked me and the socialistic viewpoints. What's in your shed? What's in your shed? Pictures and treasures and the books of me What's in your shed? What's in your shed? I was in Heathrow Airport just last night as part of my South Africa Diaries season for the What's In Your Shed podcast where I'm going to be sharing my daily diary with all of you of this week that I'm going to be spending in South Africa. I thought it would be a lovely way to capture the memory for myself rather than writing a diary, being able to do a spoken diary and being able to share it with people. Hopefully they'll find something in there that they might like and enjoy. As with all my podcast episodes, I hope people can get a connection or just enjoy listening to a story, listening to something that I've made and put it out there for you all to consume (laughs) It's a bit different to that, I think. I was in Heathrow Airport last night, in fact, and I brought the Radiator OK computer cassette tape with me so I could photograph it with some typical airport backing. And that's for my Instagram page where I post mostly music-related items vinyl records, cassette tapes mostly and when it comes around to doing a season of the podcast I try and link each picture to a new episode so that could be weekly at the moment and the photo I took in the airport it turned out really nicely totally by accident because I had the background and there was a blue bright sign that said currency exchange and I caught that in the image and the cassette was resting on this polished marble surface and the reflection of the currency exchange came up in that picture too so I was really happy with that and um oh gosh I've I've actually lost my train of thought you see I've I go off on one and then I I need to kind of rein it back in uh, I had I had the cassette tape with me and I knew I wanted to do this for the Instagram shot and it goes so nicely with airports and transit and that's how I was feeling over the past 24 hours in transit neither here nor there and I was thinking about the word transit and trans to to transcend to move across to overcome to break through to another side another dimension and while I'm traveling I feel homeless in a sense and everything you need you've got with you carefully packed hopefully you haven't left stuff behind and you don't have somewhere to put your feet up unless you can find a bench 
without any railings, arm railings in between, because that usually stops you from lying across. It's very hard to find somewhere to lie down in an airport unless you lie down straight on the floor, which I have done before on a very long journey with many delayed and cancelled flights. That was in the States one winter. It was heavy snow that cancelled some flights. And, you know, you can do all of those things in an airport if you need to. See, I'm waffling on because there you go, I forgot the trail that I was going on. Oh yeah, talking about being in transit, so transcending, being on the other side, and you are opening yourself up and you can expect anything to happen. You're opening yourself up to new experiences, new dimensions. You're going to be taken up into the sky above the clouds and that's something you've got to get your head around because it is rather peculiar and I'll get on to that a little bit later when I'm actually on a flight and I'm looking out the window and I'll share with you my thoughts on that a little bit later on but yeah that it all started with that OK Computer album and being able to photograph that in the airport Well, I'll take you back to prior to getting to the airport, so the packing part of it, and I always find packing very challenging, and it's my own fault. I, I tend to leave it to the last minute, and this time I didn't actually. I managed to have an open bag a couple of days before my departure date where I dropped anything in there that I thought I might need or that I suddenly thought of. I'm holding a mini gorilla tripod it's called a, a joby joby and it's got bendy arms so you can wrap the tripod legs around anything a tree branch perhaps and then attach your camera or your phone to it so i chucked that into the bag and this microphone for recording into the bag so lots of little bits and pieces but no clothes and i left that till the last minute and luckily Joe helped me and she knows that I get myself into a bit of a knot with packing and Joe was really calm and and supportive of me doing this and I said I'll do it I'll do it I'll get on with it and she she was okay with that but she helped me out in that we went to Aldi Did I, sorry my voice went a bit funny there we went to Aldi which is the supermarket chain I think it's a German brand store and there's always been one in the area we live in but they were closed for a couple of months to do some refurbishment so they reopened on the day I was leaving to to go on my flight to come to South Africa and I just wanted to help out and get some stuff in the house I know Joe could have done it but I feel when I'm away it's nice to know that I've hopefully help make things a little bit easier for everyone at home and Joe came with me and it was a really pleasant experience the the new store isn't that great it's okay there's I think they squeezed in an extra aisle and Joe worked out that the number of aisles are even so you can't zigzag up and down and then end up at the tills or 
something like that. I couldn't really quite work out the maths of it, but something's not right. And despite that, we had a a good little shopping expedition before I left. We got some fruit and veg and cereals and got some kinder eggs for the kids which I wanted to leave one on each of the kids' pillows and I forgot but Joe remembered and she did it for me and she said the kids were really happy with that so that made me feel happy. So thank you for Joe oh thank you Joe for supporting me with that. You you calmed me down and when we got home you packed all the stuff we bought away and I was able to go off and get my bag finally packed and you took me to the coach station or I drove and while I was driving you were trying to figure out the combination lock on my suitcase which I forgot the combination for it's a built-in lock that locks the two zip handles where the zip handles meet it locks them together on the case so you don't add an extra padlock and there's a little TSA lock. I don't know what TSA stands for, Transport Security Association or something, and a number. And I think that's because every airport should have a key for that. And if they needed to open your bag, they would use the key and open it. If there was a lock and security needed to access your bag, they would have to cut the lock off. So this one they can unlock with a key. It's never happened before, but that's why it's there. And there's three digits and Joe went online to find out how you would undo the lock if there's a way to undo it if you've forgotten the code and I think there was a way to do it if you wanted to change the code you've got if you knew the code and you wanted to change it you pressed like the end of a ballpoint pen into a little hole next to the numbers and then you can reset it but I had forgotten the code and Joe worked out with the help of Google or a YouTube video I think that you could go through all the numbers 999 options and again I don't know how the maths works but Joe's really good at maths and she quite enjoyed it and while she was going through each number so you'd go 101 102 or no you started 001 002 and then go through all the combinations and while she was doing it I said oh Ralph would like that because it, I can just imagine him doing something like that and feeling like he's helping and I think Joe was the same she felt like she was helping and she really was because to have that lock working is peace of mind it's really nice and the way the zip handles sit they can open quite easily if they're not attached together so it was it was really helpful what what she was doing and Joe was sitting in the front passenger side with the suitcase in front of her legs and she was going through the combinations and she got up to 400 and we had about 15 minutes to get to the coach station which is the bus station but these big buses are called coaches in England and eventually Joe got to the 600s and then she got the code and it turned out to be the day, the month and the year of my birth but it's not the full year it's just one number from the 70s and she cracked the code which was great and I was really happy and then I pulled up near Gloucester Green coach station and 
jumped out, got my bags, we said our farewells and I went off to the coach and the coach driver was really on his job and a little bit grumpy too because there were two guys standing near the door of the coach and this was on the other side of a gate and there was a sign on the gate that said don't open this gate without the driver's permission and the driver came along and he said "Uh, you're not meant to be standing behind there you can only go there when the driver is there and these two young men said oh sorry and I think they were Spanish you could hear by their accents and they genuinely were sorry and the driver had a a right grump on and I felt for these guys I mean obviously what they did was was wrong but when you're traveling and you've got lots of luggage and lots of ideas in your head and you're about to transcend transcend Sometimes you you don't notice things like signs and you need help finding things. And I I don't want to speak for everyone, but it it affects me. And these guys then went to the other side of the gate and then the driver went into his coach and then came out seconds later and then opened the gate, which I think he could have just said, oh, guys, stay, that's fine. Just next time, don't come through without me I think he had to make a point of it so he went in his coach fiddled around a bit and then came out and opened it and we all got on and the coach pulls off and I hear him shouting at someone so his driver's seat is near ground level and all the passenger seats you go up a few stairs and then they're kind of at the top it looks like a double decker bus but there's no seating at the bottom the bottom's all taken up for luggage and I could hear him shout at a driver and what did he say he said the sign's there for a reason because his turning circle was wide and someone had come too far up to the edge of the junction where on the road there was a marking showing where cars had to come up to because that would need to take into account the the wide turning circle of these massive coaches and he went along and I thought, wow, he's cross. And then we were along the high street and he shouted at someone out his window who had gone through the bus barrier. I put barrier in inverted commas because it's not a physical barrier. There's a camera and some signs that says that there's restrictions and you can't drive through between certain hours. It's for buses and taxis only. And he said, he shouted something like, you can come through here if, if it's a fine you want. And <laughs> we carried on going along and there was a bit of an altercation with a white van along the M40, I think it is. You go along the M40 towards London and then you go on the M25 for a short bit and then you come off that to get to Heathrow. And I think it's because this white van wasn't moving out of the middle lane and the coach driver wanted to overtake so he he hooted at him but the hoot on this coach is really loud and I think it could cause an accident if you use it willy-nilly and it would scare people anyway this white van shunted across and I could see it was a jerky shunt I, I, I think that's what shunt is it's it's a sudden movement moved across and then 
the coach driver, I could hear him shouting something. I mean, there's no way this guy would hear him. I suppose he could see his face as they were going past, but I thought that's awfully dangerous. And then the white van driver was going really fast in the left lane trying to undertake again and I thought oh leave it leave it and then the coach driver accelerated and then I think they were looking at each other so the coach or the white van I don't know which one it was veered closer and I thought they were gonna scratch and sparks would fly like in the movies but the white van slowed right down backed off and I think that was the wise thing to do Anyway, the coach driver got us there in good time. I think he was worried we were running late because at one of the stops, at the park and ride stop, the last one in Oxford, an elderly couple were embracing. The man was saying goodbye to the lady. And the driver said, hurry up then, we're already late. (laughs) And I wonder what you do. Do you complain? I think everything he was saying was was valid I mean it was happening but I think it's the tone and the way he was doing it but he got us there safely and we arrived at Terminal 5 at Heathrow and my first little blip was when we went into the check-in. I went into the check-in queue. I said we went in, but I, I meant I went into the check-in queue and got up to the desk and they do all that stuff on the computer. Look at your password, uh, your your passport, and then type loads of stuff in the computer and then ask a few questions about your luggage, if you packed it yourself and all of that. And the lady said and you haven't paid for your luggage and I said yeah I have I've got the receipt and I showed her my receipt and it turns out that the receipt only showed that I paid for one bag for the return journey from Johannesburg back to London and for some reason I hadn't paid for the stretch from London to Johannesburg I said oh I'm really sorry I I was confused I honestly didn't realize it but it's very clear on the receipt that it's only one part paid for. And I I didn't even notice that. I had so much going on before I left. And the lady was really kind. And she said, next time, make sure that you select the legs of the journey you want. And she carried on doing stuff on the computer. And she said, okay, here's your boarding pass. And they didn't charge me for the luggage. And I was really pleased. But it makes me think that this is an arbitrary thing and the check-in staff have the authority to override a payment how does that work perhaps if a customer is distressed maybe that's something they can use which is a good thing it's nice that they have that flexibility and they're able to help out if needed and it did help out because it's the last thing I wanted to pay another 70 pounds for luggage and these days you have to pay for luggage you used to always be able to take luggage onto a flight 23 kilograms and you are okay but now some people are foregoing that check-in luggage cost and only taking in hand luggage but the hand luggage is being maxed out so people are wheeling on these 
bags that are questionable, but I think they meet the criteria, the dimensions are right. And the overhead lockers are all completely full. And there's me with my little backpack and I had to squeeze it on top of someone else's bag. And yeah, there's there's quite a few things that have changed, which probably, I don't know, helps out. But I think ultimately it's to make more money. But then you could argue it's good for people who don't want to take that luggage and want to be able to benefit from that. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but something like that. It made me wonder, not made me wonder, made me think about flights in the past when I went to Germany with my dad when I was six years old. And I distinctly remember sitting in the front part of the plane and knowing that the back part of the plane was for smokers and they would draw a curtain across and the smoke would definitely seep through you could you could get hints of it especially if you sat near that divide and I was thinking imagine that having a glass of wine or a beer and your meal and you finish that up and have a cigarette and you're sitting next to someone else having a cigarette and I think for smokers to smoke with other smokers there's nothing better because you're both doing this risky enjoyable thing and I guess it's a social thing and I can imagine it would have been great fun for these people. How that could have happened, I don't know. I mean, the plane, the upholstery must have reeked afterwards unless they had everything shampooed after every flight, which I doubted. But those were the days and I'm sure lots of you will remember that too. And maybe some of you would have even had a cigarette on a plane. I suppose if I was a smoker... um. I would really love it. And even if I wasn't a smoker and I was not six years old, I probably would think, wow, I want to go sit there and try smoking out. <laughs> it seemed fun. They should have a a section or different sections on a plane like some clubs do with different types of music. So you can have a disco section, a smoking section, a stoner section, um, a sports bar section real party flight but this flight was not like that and I only managed to get a seat I say only I'm very grateful for the seat I got and the opportunity to be able to do international travel it's a it's a great privilege and I know lots of lots of people can't do it and some never have so I'm very fortunate and very grateful for that but the seat I got was in the middle of two so it was a row of three it was the middle seat and that's all that was left because everyone's doing these online check-ins via apps people had these apps out the whole time and were being able they were able to see that a flight was delayed which i didn't know about so i had to ask someone and they said oh yeah it's delayed from 6 20 till 7 i said how did you know oh i've got the app and then i looked around and everyone's on their phones heads down looking at the apps and i was walking up and down the, t the terminal building um, trying to pass time listening to music with my headphones on occasionally stopping and looking at the news on the screen with the subtitles but the subtitles go a bit slow and then the picture moves on and I was doing all of that kind of stuff and yeah so I didn't manage to do an online check-in and I had a very positive attitude about it I thought you know what it's a long flight it's not going to make much difference whether I'm by the window or the aisle. It, 
it gets uncomfortable regardless. And I was so lucky because I sat between two such lovely ladies and I didn't get to know the name of the lady on my left, but the one on my right was called Joanna, which is my wife's name. And I told her that and it was really nice to be able to share some stories with someone and find out a bit more about them. I'm actually trying to find the matches now because the lights have gone out. Ah, and they're back. And that's the generator. There's been a load shedding, which is something that happens in South Africa a lot. Every area has got a schedule and it's the the power utilities company. I think I'm saying it right. Utilities is water, gas. I don't know. It's called ESCOM, which is the power generator, the main power generator in the country. And they cut the electricity for different periods in different places to relieve pressure off the national grid. I don't think the systems can cope. The place I'm staying at warned me and said, this is the schedule, the lights would be going out, electricity will be going off at nine, but they've got a backup generator. And I spoke to the guy outside this afternoon and he said that he hasn't used the generator for a week. I think they haven't had any load shedding for a week and it might not kick in. And if it doesn't, you'll need to light the candle. So I went over and found the matches. I was actually hoping to light the candles. I'm going to light the candles anyway, because I was looking forward to that. And I think it will look nice. It will create a, a lovely ambiance. Yeah, so I was sitting next to Joanna and the other lady, like I said, I don't know. And we had we had such a nice chat. We chatted about... Cruella, which is the film Joanna was watching, and we chatted about Minari, which is the film I was watching, and I was so excited to see it because someone had said they had seen Minari and it was one of the best films they've seen in a while, a Korean film, with subtitles. And actually, subtitles are quite good because you get the clarity and you can hear the language it's not dubbed over. I prefer subtitles. And I think a lot gets lost when you dub English over it. I think there's the sounds, even if you don't understand the the words and the meaning, the sounds and the tone and the intonation all helps paint a picture. It's a good film. Not, not amazing. I enjoyed it. And we chatted about that. And we also chatted about her job and what she was going to be doing in Johannesburg and it all sounded really exciting and I could feel and sense a a lovely positive energy enthusiastic wanting to go out there and succeed and do well and it was a nice positive chat and we we got to enjoy a glass of wine together she was drinking red wine and I, I had a glass of white wine I don't normally drink wine but I thought Everyone was getting these mini bottles with their meals. Go on then, I'll I'll have a glass of wine. And it turned out so, so nice. And neither of them snored. I hope I didn't snore. And actually, Joanna 
took out well this is how it went she got she got up to go to the toilet and then I got up too and then we came and sat down and I said to her um I'm going to watch the rest of this film and I'm likely to get up later and brush my teeth are you going to sleep or something and she said oh yeah I am actually uh, I said oh don't worry I'll go now quickly she said no no that's fine just just wake me up and I said it's okay I can climb over you and I worked out that I could actually do it I'd stand up on the chair leg and I'm quite nimble I was able to use my uh, core strength to push me up and get over the chair which I did successfully and it was it was very easy much easier than asking her to wake up and she when we're having this conversation she she took out a little pot with tiny white pills in and she shook the pot and she said I'm going to take one of these I said oh is that a sleeping aid and she said yeah the best they're from Paris totally legal and I said oh go on then can I have one and I said are there any side effects she said no none at all and I thought this would be the miracle drug can you imagine that allowing you to drift off with no side effects at all and perfectly legal <laughs> i should hope so bringing a pot of illegal pills onto a plane and i was thinking of side effects as in not doing the opposite of helping you to sleep i.e keeping you awake and i've done that before with a herbal relaxing pill i don't know what it was called but it was definitely a herbal one and it did the opposite it kept me awake so I was hoping that wouldn't happen and in fact I don't think it gave me the sleep I was hoping to get I, I nodded off for a couple of hours I find when I put a film on I get tired and I can nod off when I'm watching I started watching Marksman with Liam Neeson and it was quite good it reminded me of A Perfect World with Kevin Costner and he goes on that massive road trip with this young kid i don't know if it was his son or not but marksman is a very similar vibe it's quite simple quite easy going good i i liked it but i had to watch the rest of it the next morning because that's when i did drift off so it was a it was a the flight was fine and ultimately you you get uncomfortable no matter what i don't know how people fare in first class because it looks like they can stretch out but i'm sure even then it's there's an element of discomfort and ultimately it's that feeling that you're in this enclosed capsule for so long and there's no fresh air it's, it's constantly recycled and you feel like you're in an insular bubble and I know I need fresh air so that's no matter what even if I can lie down eventually I'll want to get off that plane and it was it was okay it was fine the the journey was okay at one point my hands were feeling quite big and it was the strangest feeling because when i put my hands on my lap they felt awkward on my lap my wrists felt weird and i'm i'm moving them around now kind of getting that feeling again and then i would hold one hand in the other and then the feel of one hand in the other would get really weird it, it doesn't normally happen but i was at that point of just irritated eventually we land in johannesburg and all went well and picked up my luggage it came off that conveyor quite quickly 
I was happy with that and went out into the arrivals hall in Johannesburg and I haven't been in South Africa for just over two years and the last time I went was with my family just before coronavirus started and a lot has happened in between hence the reason for this journey I'm coming to see my parents and to look at a place after what effectively has been a war and it's a regrouping taking stock seeing how people have fared and how the place has fared I know I won't get to see everything but it felt right and I hadn't been back in a while but in Johannesburg airport there's always been one arrivals hall and every flight comes out there and there's always crowds of people waiting and emotional people running up hugging people there's tears there's banners there's balloons it's almost like a hero's welcome for some people and I remember my parents used to wait for us and I could see my mom through the glass and I'd be coming along and I could see the tears in her eyes and then I would well up and it was always very emotional and these days I I find my own way <laughs> back to their house so I don't know I, I prefer the freedom of getting off their flight and getting to where I need to be hiring a car for example or catching a train and not doing that welcome to the airport or that goodbye from the airport something about it I, I'm just not comfortable with I don't dislike it but I prefer not to do it anymore and today when we arrived in Johannesburg I say we because I guess we were all together all of us on the flight together you're sharing that space so you become one a camaraderie especially when you get chatting to people it's actually quite nice and we came into the arrivals hall and there was a group of people waiting there and they saw the person who had arrived and they started singing and they must have been a choir their voices were stunning and they were singing so beautifully and I could see the person moving across to them and the whole group of them embraced and they all stood in a huddle together and I think said a prayer. But while this was happening, I welled up. And I started getting tears in my eyes and I thought it was such a lovely moment, uninhibited, free. And these people were genuinely happy for their comrade, their partner, their friend to join back into the fold to become part of their group again and they'd obviously been missing that person and to be able to sing like that for them and make them feel so special it was it was an emotional moment and then I did think that emotions are heightened because of the tiredness and I find I get like that when I'm really tired my emotions are triggered quite quickly and it I had a little chuckle because as I moved away, almost wiping the tears from my eyes, I thought, yeah, it's really sweet and emotional, but also I'm very tired. So I'd probably cry at a lot of things. I mean, there, there was another cute thing, a tiny little kid, must have only been about 11 months or something, a bit younger than walking stage. I, I know kids start walking even at 11 months, so perhaps nine, ten months old, and the mother was holding the kid or the carer can't assume it was the mother 
with someone who loved this child was holding the child and dad had come back from somewhere and the mum I'll say mum smile in her face was so beautiful and the child had the exact same smile his face lit up for daddy and daddy had arrived and that was another emotional part of the journey anyway I pulled myself together and I sorted out my phone I got the a local sim card which was easy enough except that they asked you to hand over your phone and then the lady behind the counter took my phone and she started like swiping into settings and doing all sorts of things and I was like oh what <laughs> and I thought you know what you go ahead get it done because if you handed the sim over with some instructions and said here do this and this I probably would have messed it up or panicked especially in the state I was in I was I was not ready to follow any tech instructions I struggle at the best of times so right then it wasn't going to work and she was really helpful and put that sim in and got it working and I was able, I'm able to use my number and pay a lot less than what my UK provider would charge for using my phone abroad and that was all sorted and then I went over to the domestic check-ins because I needed to get a connecting flight to the Western Cape to a town called George and then from George I drove to a place called Kierboom Strand. Kierboom. Boom is a tree. Kier, I think it could be cherry. I'm not sure. Strand is beach. And I'm staying in a, a stunning loft cottage in the hills amongst all the fainbos. And if you listen carefully, you can hear the birds still going. Well, those could be crickets because it's night time now. I don't know if the birds would continue singing. It's just, it's beautiful. There's three big ponds. One's got bass in and there's some koi. And I think it's 100 acres of land. And the the place is so beautifully presented with such thoughtfulness and care. There's a salt and pepper, for example, washing up liquid. All the things you need, kitchen roll, a little microwave and immaculate the cupboards with the plates in are so clean no dust at all and the towels were nicely folded they had folded the towel like a swan on the bed and it's a very humble place not luxurious but it's got character and it's it's just so well presented and comfortable and I'm looking forward to a good night's sleep here tonight and yeah, that's where I had to get from George. But the flight from Johannesburg to George was two hours and I had to wait in the departure area. So I'd done my phone, went up to the domestic departures. And at that point, I was so exhausted. This is nearly 24 hours since I left the house in Oxford with no proper sleep and hadn't been able to have a shower. Every now and then I went into the toilets and washed my face in the basin just wet my face and hoped that would help but I was starting to get really clammy and sweaty and general discomfort and I was wearing a backpack and I realized my back was sweaty so then I took the backpack off and carried it instead of having it on my back which was 
a good idea and then my t-shirt could dry out but it was getting to a point where I just wanted to get to the other side and that flight was on a really tiny plane there were 14 windows I counted them and we went on a little bus along the runway and we went up a few stairs to get onto the plane got off the bus we were out on the tarmac or the concrete in the sunshine and this was the first time I'd actually got fresh air I wasn't in a terminal building or in an aeroplane or in a bus or something and it was much needed to get the warmth of the sun on my face and got into this plane and did the two-hour flight and while we were flying I was looking out the window thinking how far humans have come and I know it's it's not space travel which is something that is happening which I find just incredible that that's going on and to think that in the life of this planet so however billion years old it is six six hundred billion years old I think might be right might be wrong I don't know but it's old there's been lots of eras there's been the dinosaurs and the dinosaurs never became technologically advanced they never evolved like we have and I was just thinking this is a first for this planet where creatures of the planet that aren't flying creatures have been able to put themselves high up in the sky in this machine that's been made of metals that has come from the earth and they've used science and technology to get them moving around like this and I thought how ingenious, how clever and it is but actually I look at nature and think how ingenious and clever that is because it's completely sustainable so these birds and crickets and everything outside and all the the creatures in the sea they're living in well-balanced ecosystems they're living with the rhythm of the seasons and the phases of the moon and it's all working out they just don't have cars and space rockets and airplanes but they've got sustainability and something that will keep them going forever and ever so although technology is clever and I, I, I'm fascinated by it, I do see how it has another side to it where, yeah, it seems clever, but is it really that clever? Anyway, these were the thoughts I was having while this aircraft was flying above the clouds and there was less cloud than, there wasn't much cloud at all. And most of it was clear. So you fly across most of the country and you can see the semi-desert, which is the Karoo. It's very flat and dry. There's a few paths crisscrossing it. You can see the main route to the Cape every now and then, the road that goes straight across. You can see meandering streams and oxbow lakes where the bits are cut off when the meander is cut off from the rest and every now and then there's a dam and it creates a reservoir and you can see a little settlement around there where people have settled near a water source and eventually you start seeing a few hills and I suppose this is where the, the folding of the mountains is seen the first bits of it are seen and then the folds get bigger and then they become mountainous and then the desert turns into more lush green forest and there's a dramatic mountain range and then the coast 
it's the most amazing thing to see when you're approaching the Cape from inland on a flight. It is the fairest Cape of all. It is heaven. It is utterly beautiful. I've never seen anything like it. And then the, the, the aeroplane goes along the coastline before it gets before it pulls in again then goes to the airport it was the most enjoyable part of the journey I would say also knowing that this was it I was going to get off this plane and get in a car at least and in a car I can listen to music and have the windows down and saying that I've had all my CDs packed ready for this road trip this is the first leg of the road trip the next one is when my mom and I drive from Johannesburg to Durban, a bit south of Durban actually, to Scottborough, and we will listen to a lot of music and CDs there, and I've packed them, especially I've got about 35 CDs in two CD wallets, and this rental didn't have a CD player, <laughs> and there's a Bluetooth thing, but the USB doesn't fit the USB I've got, so I couldn't connect my phone to it. And actually, I wanted to have the physical opportunity of taking a disc out, putting it into the slot for, for the CDs. And I wasn't too upset. I got to listen to 5FM, which is was pre-programmed. I don't want to fiddle with the radio because I might lose everything. And it was interesting hearing the DJs and how they talk and South African accents, which you don't hear when you're in Europe. And... It was quite good. The DJs were young and one of the DJs for one of the hours got a bit silly and I think the person he was with wasn't as silly but she egged him on a bit so made him... And he was responsible for his own behaviour but I think because of her laughter and encouragement he, he got even more silly. But it was alright. I got to listen to some new music and I got to hear the news, what was happening around and there was a story about a road that is blocked because there was a heist of a van what are those vans that carry money um i know in england they call them securitas they're those vans that pick up money from banks and they take them to different places and this van was hijacked or they got into a gunfight and they bombed the van. I don't know how that worked. But only two people got injured. Luckily, no one died. But they managed to get away with an undisclosed sum of money. So I got to hear that story. It sounded like a film. I can't believe something like that actually happened. And eventually got to this amazing place that I'm sitting in right now. And I was able to share my first day of travel with you in the South Africa Diaries part two in transit and I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I have and I think this is working really nicely I'm looking at my notes here I've got two massive spider diagrams and I've managed to cover everything that I've wanted except the best shower ever when I got to the place that I'm in now I unpacked everything and got in the shower and it was the best shower I've ever had and I think that's because it followed more than 24 hours of not being able to shower and 
I was able to get in there and wash all the sweat off me, wash all the stale air from all those enclosed spaces. And it's the balance again. It wouldn't have felt so good if I hadn't have gone through all of that. So maximum effort, maximum reward. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I've got a smile on my face. I can hear those creatures outside and... Tomorrow I'm going to go visit my dad and his partner and we are going to catch up again for the next day of the South Africa Diaries. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a lovely evening or morning or whatever time of day it is. I always find it hard to say goodbye, but here we go. Goodbye. Good night. It's better late than never. We're winding back the time clock. We'll open up the strong box. What's in your shed? What's in your shed? Pictures and treasures and the books that we read. What's in your shed? What's in your shed?